What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Random Richard Podcast. I am one of the hosts, Zach, and hosting with me as always is Chris. And for the rest of Picard Season 3, you've seen her here already, but it's Jenny Johnson. How are you guys doing? Hello, hello, everyone. Thank you, Zach. Awesome to be here. Privet. Bonjour. Uh, buenos dias. Thank you for everyone for visiting <laughs> us around the, the, the interwebs and the world, waiting for someone to join from Antarctica. That would be great. But great yeah. to be here. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm so happy to be here again with you guys. Getting to do this every week is uh, truly the highlight of my Picard experience. So thank you. Yeah, well, I mean, Picard's been definitely a highlight for all of us, right? And what oh, yeah. what better what better thing to do than go through this step by step as we, no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> I literally did not mean to say <laughs> that we were talking about the show step by step earlier before we started recording. Um, for those of you who don't know, that's an early '90s sitcom from back in the day, part of TGIF. But anyways, <laughs> uh, yeah. So we we um, we've loved this journey so far. I mean, th this is a special journey, and I think you know, a year from now, five years from now, ten years from now, when we look back on this, it's going to be a highlight to have said, "Yeah, we got a chance to go through." And at every moment, at every episode of this final journey, we think of the uh, next gen crew we got a chance to to talk about it and share our mm -hmm. thoughts and feelings with with people all over the globe so it's been it's been awesome so far and we look forward to to finishing this out as there's only three more episodes left can you believe it three doesn't <laughs> seem like enough it doesn't it's crazy yeah i mean i, I know chris uh tng is your your absolute favorite in the star trek franchise and as you think about there's there's only three more episodes left as, as far as we know with this crew how does that make you feel well i i am definitely not looking forward to it ending i i wish it would extend um a, a bit but yeah i mean three more episodes there's a lot to wrap up and explain in this in this uh season so we'll see it, it will definitely be a feeling of uh, of joy for sure of a little bit of sadness and melancholy and melancholy that it will end but it will be like tremendous joy to see what they do. What they kind of how I feel. Yeah. What about you, Jenny? I know you're a big TNG fan as well. Yeah. I mean, I mean we all I, we all are, but you you know in particular. Yeah. Yeah. I I definitely like like it's it's bringing up the feelings that I had back in the '90s when when TNG was ending, when it was like counting down the last few episodes, and that sort of feeling of like you know, like what's gonna happen? Like, like I felt like the world was ending. This is this is a little less than that just because I, the Star Trek community is so much more than it was then, you yeah. know? So mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like they're just gonna disappear off the face of the earth. Like it's still, you know, but yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna be okay <laughs> at the <laughs> end of this. <laughs> Well, I, I kind of equate this to, because I'm not looking forward to the final episode, good, bad, or indifferent, mm. whether the episode is a happy send-off for everybody, whether there's some shocking scene where we lose one of the, the characters, which hopefully that doesn't happen. But mm -hmm. regardless of the outcome, it's going to be emotional, I think. It's going to be hard, uh, because as of right now, at the time of us recording our review here of this third ep of the seventh episode of, of Picard Season 3, we don't know what the final results are going to be. And so it's 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 exciting. It's nerve wracking. It's um, a little bit scary, uh, to be honest with you, because mm -hmm. uh, th there is a part of me in the back of my mind. Maybe it's a pessimist side of me that says, you know, what happens if the series ends and one of those characters is is gone? Now, 
in Star Trek, does anybody really die? I mean, not always, right? I mean, data, how many times has Data died? Mm -hmm. Now, granted, he's an android. Do they really die or not? But that's a whole other story. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm nervous, though. I, I'm nervous because I'm afraid of <clears throat> the potential emotions coming from this final episode once we get there. Um, I, I kind of equate it back to my first watch through at DS9, and I got super emotional that la that final episode, that oh, yeah. what we left behind. Um very very uh powerful uh with voyager it was more like okay it's been seven seasons are they ready to get home yet it wasn't as emotional Enter enterprise just made me mad that oh. final episode. um so no, yeah we don't talk it, about that no we don't we don't that's that's <laughs> yeah, no that's not that's not it's it's like the episode that shall not be named like Voldemort. um we just don't talk about it mm -hmm. so yeah it's it's very uh, it's very exciting but but kind of scary at the same time i think a little bit too just yeah. as far as where this may end up that being said before we jump deep into our review of episode seven of picard season three i want to mention first the kind of breaking news we got this past week uh where paramount cbs has announced that they are going to be starting production on a new star trek series in 2024 which means it's probably not going to be out my guess is until either the the end of the year or sometime in 2025. Mm -hmm. And that is Star Trek Starfleet Academy. If you guys have not seen that announcement. You can probably find it anywhere on the interwebs, Chris, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> right. whether it's on uh, Facebook, Instagram, or, or whatever search engine you prefer. Um, and as far as I can tell from what I've read and what I've seen, it looks like it's going to be live action. I don't think it's going to be another animated series. Mm -hmm. Um, what, what are your guys' thoughts? What, what did you think when you saw the announcement and, and what was running through your head as far as possibilities, time periods, anything that just are off the top of your head? What, what were you thinking when you saw it? Chris, let's start with you real quick. What were your thoughts? Well, speaking of Voldemort, since you mentioned Voldemort, I was thinking, <laughs> I was thinking, oh, Starfleet, like Hogwarts going to be oh, our, yeah. star, our Starfleet cadets, cadets at Hogwarts. So instead of going to a potions class, They'll be going to a temporal dynamics class uh, um, like that. So we'll have That's cool. all kinds of fun Starfleet professors and cadet hijinks. There you go. Okay. <laughs> that was my thought. Yeah, yeah. Jenny, what about you? What, what, what were you thinking when you first saw the announcement? What's been running through your head since then? I've, I, I've been just trying to wrap my head around like how, like, like what that looks like, you know, like what, and, and, and that actually was was really helpful, Chris. That actually kind of made my, you know, I was like, oh yeah, because I mean, they go to class, but then other stuff happens, and like, you know, um, I, yeah, it's it's very, it, I I know they've talked about this for years, but it's something that I never really spent a lot of time thinking about. So I'm I'm honestly just kind of like, whoa, this is, you know, wow, okay, all right, okay, let's see what they got, you know? Yeah, I. There's a part of me that when I first saw this announcement, I, I initially kind of thought of, I believe it was Star Trek Into Darkness, and I'm not trying to bring JJ verse movies into this mm -hmm. because it's not canon, at least in my opinion. Um, but I, I immediately thought of, okay, how many Vulcan insults will we get per episode and how many uh, uh, Orion women will we see as cadets with dudes hitting on them? I, I, I just... You know, this idea of Starfleet and all these different, you know, characters, these different alien species that show up at Starfleet, uh, you know, do we get characters like, you know, a young Jim Kirk who are 
you know, a little girl crazy, right? You know, mm. or how, how many Vulcans like Spock do we get or, you know, other Vulcans that may, may be insulting some, you know, people because they're, they're not emotional and they're logical and, you know, just all these a million different things. Do we get, do we get any for, more Ferengi, right? Nog was the first one. Mm. Do we get more Ferengi? Uh, do we get other Klingons, you know, that type of thing. So lots yeah. of different things running through my head of possibilities for alien species and types of characters. I don't know why. But the, those those scenes, I no maybe it wasn't in Star Trek Into Darkness. Was it Into Darkness where Kirk and McCoy and Spock were at Starfleet, or no? Was it the first one? No, it was the first one. It was the first one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's the first one. Yeah. Yeah, and and Kirk has like you know uh, you, you see him in that scene where him and the Orion girl are, are kissing. All of a sudden, Uhura shows up and it's her it's her uh, roommate and Kirk's hiding under the bed. And then the scenes of them on like on the mm -hmm. steps and they're running around and Kirk. Yeah. So all those yeah. types of JJ movie stuff right. kind of ran through my mind as far as you know starfleet academy it'll be mm -hmm. interesting it's going to be really interesting to see what happens i'm looking i'm looking forward to it i think chris that was a good a good comparison you know yeah. i think if the show if the show is half as good as what harry potter was then it's going to be phenomenal mm -hmm. yeah it's going to be a lot of cadets getting into, into a lot of shenanigans yeah yeah <laughs> that's, <laughs> yeah. that's what i'm thinking now here's the question do you guys think that in that show that we will get either drop-ins by characters we already know by the actors mm. who have played them not like a younger version of themselves or do we get a younger version of certain do we get a young kirk do we get a mm. young picard at the academy do we do is it episodic where we jump through the, around the timeline and see different eras at the Ooh. academy i don't That's know crazy. Do you guys have any any thoughts about that? What you think we could possibly get? Do we do we just continue on from Picard's timeline, uh, and it's the Academy like in the twenty fifth century? Hmm. I'd heard some chatter about it being um, like thirty second century, and oh. I don't know if that's the <laughs> oh. and I don't know if that's the case or not. Um, but just just with um. Because on Discovery, like Tilly had gone off to do some teaching at Starfleet Academy, and there were cadets on the show. And oh, Tilly so... was teaching. Yeah. <laughs> mm. But 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 Chris hang is on. like I refuse to watch now. <laughs> so but but number one, I'm very uh... interested, regardless of the timeline, to get to spend some time on Earth. Yeah. In 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 not like in the vineyard but in earth the way it is where people are just like living there and living their lives and but in the future um regardless of what future that is um and they announced that tawny newsom who plays mariner on lower decks is going to be one of the writers she got hired on as part of the writing staff mm. and she's a comedian uh okay well, there, there, there come the shenanigans, then I would say, right? The comedic <laughs> Which, shenanigans. Yeah. So the thing about that is that if it is Discovery era, I feel like it may not necessarily be as like deadly serious as Discovery can sometimes be, if that makes sense. Yeah. This is my hope. <laughs> yeah. I I hope it's not in thirty <laughs> second century or whatever it is where Discovery is. Mm -hmm. Uh, I. Personally, I hope it's, you know, the the Picard time period. So like early 25th century, right? 
I mean, that's... um, and, and here's why I want to see an elder statesman, Miles Edward O'Brien, as an instructor <laughs> yeah. at the academy. <laughs> that's where he went after DS9 mm -hmm. ended, right? So, is it too much to ask Terry? Can you get Cole Meany to come back and reprise his role as the chief teaching young whippersnappers at the academy how to be good engineers? Please, please, if there's one thing you do, just just do that, and I'll be happy. That's good. <laughs> Even if it's only one episode, I'll tune in for the whole season. If that's one episode, we that's get true. the chief back. Yeah, I'll be we're happy. Asking, we're asking him now in the in the in this podcast. We're asking Terry to do it now, right? Yes, yes because we all know Terry is tuning into this episode every oh, yes. week. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we don't know. We don't know. But anyways, um, yeah. So if you have never listened to the random redshirt podcast or watched on youtube welcome to the show we appreciate you checking us out be sure to hit us up on facebook or instagram and follow us there you can also check out previous episodes of the random redshirt podcast on video down below and you can also check out all of our episodes in an audio only format wherever you get your podcast your favorite podcast platform so let's dive into this uh chris and jenny let's jump into the seventh episode of star trek picard entitled dominion yes i remember the, the title this time nice. mostly because the name is written down right in front of me <laughs> <laughs> but that's not the point uh so we 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 start the episode it does appear that there has been some time since uh since commander Riker was or commander wow that was a tng flashback uh scratch that uh that'll be for the bloopers no uh since captain Riker has been taken into custody by uh you know this version of starfleet which is just you know overrun by by change lanes but he's been taken by vatic right mm -hmm. um and uh you know seven and the titan they've they've tried to come up with some way to find him and we notice right away that the titan is hiding itself with basically auxiliary emergency power only in this debris field floating in space trying to hide itself uh, you know, we are mon they're monitoring the situation and, uh, right away we see that, uh, seven is having a conversation with a, a character that we all know. And I think many of us love mm -hmm. from her time on board Voyager. And that was Tuvok. So let's start with you, Jenny, in this, in this opening scene before, you know, uh, conversation aside and what mm -hmm. is kind of revealed in this conversation aside from that what were your first initial thoughts of when you saw a, an older Tuvok pop up on screen I well they did a really good job just sort of setting the the tone of the scene like like it was clear they'd been at this for a while everyone seems kind of like okay like they're very serious um so yeah stakes are high and flip to the flip to the view screen and uh, um i was very excited to see him that was a, a delightful treat um yeah you know um just especially just because we just had seven talking about her time on voyager so it's just really like a really nice tie-in we think um <laughs> so yeah super excited to see him what about you, Chris? I really, really like that scene. I mean, we open mm. and it's close to where we see Seven in the captain's chair. And then yep. and I was, I, I thought that, that foreshadowing. Was, yeah. Maybe. Yeah, maybe, maybe. And it's just Seven. You just see Seven in the captain's yeah. chair. Yeah. 
and I, I think that's that's great. She's talking, and you realize that she's talking to Tubok. <clears throat> and I really like that there is a there's hesitancy between both of them, right? You see this, mm -hmm. you see this like this cautious hesitancy between both of them, and they're both kind of uh, they're both kind of prying and prodding what each other knows, like you know that's yeah. kind of underneath the underneath the conversation. Um, and then I re I really like that. You know the the captain or admiral admiral picard and and shaw and the other folks are on the perimeter out of sight where they're kind mm -hmm. of monitor monitoring the conversation between tuvok and 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 seven to kind of see oh is is he is he actually tuvok and, and i i love that kind of opening scene where it's it's really you get the sense that they're exploring who to really trust in mm -hmm. in the federation right and so and then they're kind of exploring, hey, are they in it like by themselves? Is like everyone everyone kind of in on this conspiracy? So I I like that a lot. I like, you know, setting setting that up. And then the resolution of that scene, like I love how they go and they you know, those questions they ask is when when Seven says, Oh, when she mentions Cal the game of Calto, right? I thought, oh that was that was great. That mm -hmm. was a great lead into it. And um and you think it's going to go one way and it doesn't go that way. And I thought that was super because I thought, I thought he was Tuvok. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, yeah. that was really interesting. Yeah. We, uh, it's interesting because when you see her talking with Tuvok, you instantly realize she's not messing around. This isn't a friendly, Hey Tuvok, what's up? Like, how you been? Yeah. Like what you been up to? Right? Have you played any? Have you played any Calto lately? You know, I, I beat you. You know, kind of thing. Um, it's very, it's very serious. It's. Do you know where Riker is? Have you talked to Admiral Janeway? Mm -hmm. uh, there's been several mentions of Admiral Janeway thus far. I really hope, even if it's just on a view screen, that we get at least one scene with Kate Mulgrew back as the real Janeway, right? Yeah. Not just the holographic animated version in Prodigy that we actually get the physical version of Janeway back in the, in this series. It'd be kind of cool if maybe they're able to get in touch with her and she has not been affected by a changeling and she's able to help them out. Cause you think she's an admiral, right? So she's really high up in Starfleet. Mm -hmm. She's got connections. She's got clearances. She might be able to help out in some way, you know, um, with this, with this e event. Um, so yeah, very interesting. Uh, I also find it interesting that in addition to the Calto thing, there's this kind of like build up to it. And then there's a sense of relief, like, okay, you are who you say you are. And then she says, Hey, meet us on this planet. And he's mm -hmm. like, okay, yep. Sounds good. And then she's like, yeah, a real Vulcan would never agree to meet up on this planet for some reason. I don't, d does that planet ring a bell to you guys? As far as, does it have any she, significance? She said, um, she said, Number one, she just said to meet them there, and then she said that that she had had um, uh, her neural processors, neural patterns that were stabilized or whatever. Yeah, offered, yeah. He had once yeah. offered to help her neural patterns. To yeah, that 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 she had had that procedure on that planet. So it was a double it was a double trick because apparently there were anti colonar demonstrations on mm -hmm. that planet, um, which is sort of odd to think about actually but she said mm -hmm. no Vulcan would ever go there because of those anti-colonar demonstrations um and my <laughs> neural pathways were yeah yeah my friend Tuvok 
Yeah, my yeah. friend Tuvok helped me with them. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. and then we we then see instantly the changeling realizes he's caught. And I love the way Tim Russ plays this because he, he you see the smirk on his face. He didn't, oh. he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't get to show emotion that often as a, mm-hmm. as a uh, Vulcan, obviously, in Voyager. There were moments he did. But um, to see that kind of him playing Tuvok, but as a changeling, whole yeah. interaction, I think, was great. Um, and so, obviously, once they realize that the changeling, um, Picard then uses the opportunity to ask this changeling, this fake Tuvok, right? Like, hey, do you know where Riker is? And then, unfortunately, he changes into Jack, right? And says something to the, something to the effect of, like, you know, he's good as dead, just like the rest of, of the crew and blah, 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 blah. Um, that or was, changes that into was, Riker? Turns into Riker, yeah. Yeah, yeah he turns into Riker. I'm sorry, that's, that, that's right. Zombie face Riker. He didn't turn into, he didn't <clears> turn into Jack, did he? He turned into Riker. My bad. Yeah. Mm. So um, that's that's a whole that whole scene is very interesting. That that was a very creepy looking Riker. Did that? <laughs> what did anybody else feel unsettled a little bit by that? By the oh, just the, yeah. the overall look of of that was him? like zombie Riker. It was like he's as good as dead. This is what's left of him, basically. Yeah, I, I agree. A great job with that. Great job with zombie oh. Riker. Yeah, that's a good name. <laughs> yeah. zombie Riker. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, we have. To, yeah, you you might want to patent that because that could be like a, <laughs> uh, that could be like a t-shirt or on a copyright that on a t-shirt or something like that, and own the mm-hmm. digits on that, and be some future future Star Trek convention t-shirts to sell. Yeah. Um, so, but this whole time this is happening, right? They're trying to cut this call off mm-hmm. because they it's almost like they realize that this there's a trace. They're trying to trace where the signal's coming from on Seven's end, and they know they've got to get it cut off. Jordy finally gets a signal cut off. Uh, just in time because they know if they get traced, they're going to be found out. And so once the call ends, you know, Jordy's like, look, we can't, we can't keep doing this, right? We can't keep doing this. Uh, To me, that tells me that they weren't reaching out to Tuvok, that Tuvok quote unquote Tuvok was reaching out to them. So they know that they're being hunted. They know that they're trying to be found. And uh, that, that puts a whole different spin on it on the whole situation we then go later into the ready room where um you know picard's asking jordy hey you know have you heard from Worf? have you heard from raffi um they're off on their own mission to rescue Riker, uh but there's there's no news and this this changeling presence is is very looming um beverly okay this is interesting i want to get your take on this Beverly suggests that, that there could be a way to exploit these these you know evolved or different you know versions of changelings but what it would take would be basically genocide um that that put me into this idea of all right if i was in that shoe in those shoes and I'm approached that situation. What do I do? Because you think about it, right? In the Dominion War, the Federation tried to commit genocide, right? They they mm. unleashed a virus on the changelings that, in a sense, would have killed them all. Yeah. So, what were your guys' thoughts when Beverly's like, "Hey, we can do this, but it's going to be genocide"? Uh, Jenny, what do you, what were you thinking on that? It was. I mean, it's definitely interesting to see and and understandable because they're in a 
impossible position right now. Like they're, they're, um, they're desperate. They're really desperate. They're, you know, they're just being constantly chased and they're hiding and they're just trying to come up with any possible way to sort this out. Plus you've got the added level of it, Beverly, it's, it's her son, you know, that she's, um, that's being put in all this danger. So it's, um, yeah, like, I mean, it makes sense, but it's also very, ooh, like, disturbing also coming from Beverly, um, what with her um, Hippocratic Hi oath. Yeah, I was going to say. And yeah. all, yeah. Yeah. What were your thoughts, Chris? I, I love when they have these these uh, dilemmas in Star Trek, mm. for, for mm -hmm. sure, right? So, and I love that, I love yeah. that, uh, I love that Beverly is the one that says this, hey, hey, that possibly there's a way you know, to um, to gain an advantage on on the changelings, this would this would involve like targeting them biologically. Um, yeah. And then she poses the question, you know, like like you said, Jenny, she she brings up the Hippocratic Hippocratic oath, and then she poses the question to herself of when is crossing the line, and mm -hmm. and and I love that because her intent her intent is good, right? Her intent is, hey, we we have a way where um, that can help us, where we can gain an advantage, where we can kind of come, come out of this um, to, to fight our enemy. Um, but, but along with that, along with the goodness that's, that's there and goodness with that intent um, comes, comes, comes the other side of, of, hey, maybe you're not living up to the values that you have, right? Yeah. As a doctor, like as an organization. Definitely. I love that. Yeah. I mean, especially, you know, thinking back to like, um, when they had Hugh on the ship in in, mm. in in Iborg and she was so against the the idea of putting a virus in him and sending him back to the Borg, you know, um, which is a kind of a genocidal sort of thing to do, you know. So it's it's just really interesting seeing her like flipped like that, you know. I love that you brought up Hugh, because I was I Hugh I thought of when I was watching that scene, I was thinking of you, mm. right? And so thinking of that, yeah, that's what, that's. Yeah, it's a moral dilemma, right? You think about, I, I was kind of thinking too, back to like, okay, think about World War II, right? And you have Robert Oppenheimer, who creates mm -hmm. the, the first, the first atomic nuclear weapon, atomic bomb. And his quote says, now I have become death, the destroyer of worlds. And I think back to, you know, if, if they were to do this, right? If they were to release something on these changelings, which, oh, by the way, kind of already sort of happened before. Mm. Well, it didn't kind of, it did with the first Dominion War. Uh, would Beverly feel the same way as Robert Oppenheimer, right? Mm. Would she feel the same way if she created something that could be, you know, considered genocide in this case? And so it's, I, I think that's a good thing to bring up, Chris, where you mentioned that, you know, yeah, this is this is a moral dilemma here. Be Beverly is, is the perfect character to bring this idea up right uh she she's sworn an oath to 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 uh help people right to heal people not to kill and uh this is a huge moral dilemma because her son's involved i i'm i'm guessing and this is just my guess i'm guessing that given the situation if there were nothing to do with her son jack that she probably wouldn't even question it and be like yeah we got to do this mm. you know we, we got to do this because this is gonna save millions and billions of lives in the federation but her mm -hmm. son or or, or 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 i'm sorry take it back 
she may not want to do it. She may say, no, right. this is wrong, blah, 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 but her son's involved. Now with her son involved, she may say, well, yeah, I mean, we, we probably, we probably got to do this. Um, but it's interesting. Uh, the conversation in this, in this meeting does shift a little bit and it, they start trying to determine, well, okay, we know Picard's body was stolen from Daystrom, right? We know that that's significant. Mm-hmm. And the question kind of becomes amongst them, what are the changelings going to do with Picard's body? I think it was interesting. Jordy brings up the idea of, well, what if they took your body and used Jack's DNA and made this like perfect Picard replica mm-hmm. who could pass DNA tests and blood tests. And then, you know, he's there for frontier day and he can lead the way into whatever catastrophe that they're planning. It's yeah, I that Picard's body being stolen creates a huge wrench in the fire uh, in this case. Right. So um, it's not all apparent yet, but they're certainly yeah. starting to say, starting to try to piece things together um, at this point in time. Now we haven't covered the whole episode yet, but at this point mm. in time, do you guys have any thoughts of what you think might happen? Let's start with you, Jenny. What do you think? So Picard's body has been stolen. Right, the changelings mm-hmm. are behind it. They want Jack. We don't know mm-hmm. why yet. Please, dear Lord, make him not be a changeling. <laughs> um, I'll say it again. Uh, what What do you think? What, what do you What do you, where do you think they might be might be headed? I mean, it it's it goes into like the conversations with Vatic um, a little later on um, in terms of Jack, like in terms of where that fits in and then also like what lore says about the um or sorry what data says about the um anomalous form inside picard's body that may may not have been aromatic syndrome like that he may have been misdiagnosed i don't know (laughs) (laughs) basically like like and i'm trying again i'm I don't trying mean not to, to, ask like, you to speculate but no speculate. no 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 i mean i i mean it's <laughs> i'm trying to walk this line of like speculating without turning it into like more than i i, I, I don't know um <laughs> i feel like we need to talk about the conversation with vatic mm. And what that, what we think that was. Yeah, yeah we're, we're going to get there. That's for sure. Yeah. We, will, we will get there. Absolutely. That's, that's, so, a, that's going to be a, <laughs> that's going to be, that's going to be an important part of this episode. Absolutely. Yeah. Chris, what, what, what do you think? So they, they, they've got, they've stolen Picard's body, which they apparently think was inc- all the stuff that they could have stolen at Daystrom and they take a dead dude's body of all mm-hmm. things. Right. So clearly that body is incredibly important to them and whatever they're planning um what what are you thinking right now as far as you know maybe, maybe where this could be headed? do you think Jordy's on to the right thing or do you think that uh that there might be something else going on i did think Jordy was on to the right thing at first where we're like yes be some sort of uh, picard imposter right and mm-hmm. you know picard is will absolutely have a have a high profile at frontier day and then the perfect opportunity to um you know to either destroy all of Starfleet leadership at the time when he's there and kind of bring bring Starfleet down to its knees and, and yeah. to ashes like Vatic wants. Um, there was there was something that I thought about when um, there was something else that I thought about when they were talking about Picard's body and extracting something else from Picard's body other than the DNA. And I thought, oh, 
this is what I thought. I don't know if at all if, if it's going to go this direction, but I thought, oh, would they have tried to extract some force, some part of Borg technology from his mm. body, like when he was Locutus, and um, and then mm. have some connection with the Borg? That's 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 where I went, yeah. but um, I'm sure there could be a whole lot of other things too with it. It'll be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, Jenny, you you've done the most recent watch through of TNG. I don't remember where, and and or maybe either one of you can remember this. Did were there was there anything Borg left inside Picard's body? Was there ever any mention of that? I can't remember if there was or not. That's a good. It's interesting you say that, Chris, because I I can't think if they that was mentioned or not. Maybe it was, and I'm just totally spacing it. I am pretty confident that they didn't have to leave pieces behind the way that they did with seven because he was only assimilated for a, a really short, short period of time yeah. um i know that there's some discussion about whether he still has any nanoprobes in him mm. um with like like in first contact where he had the the sort of he he seemed to be able to like sense them yeah mm-hmm. um yeah i personally am not convinced that this is borg related mm. Mm. Partly because we've there's been a lot of Borg in this series. Yeah. Well, the whole first season was basically Borg, right? I mean, the with, yeah, with the uh, the the rebuilt cube and Hugh and all his other right. stuff. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then the 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 Borg, um, not collective, but the the Borgati, the the Borgati. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes, the Gerardi the Gerardi like, Borg yeah, queen and the yeah, Borg queen, yeah, yeah. Thing, so, yeah. so there's been a lot of of Borg, and I feel yeah. like that has been kind of tied up. I think. Interesting. I think you. I think you might be right, though. <clears throat> Both you might be right. That, that I think there's yeah. a real strong possibility that at a bare minimum that he would have some sort of level of nanoprobes left. At the bare minimum, yeah. Maybe there's something left in his body that's actual hardware. But that's a good point you make. I I, I kind of would be shocked maybe if there wasn't at least a small trace amount of nanoprobes left. Yeah. Mm. And, actually, and then that would explain the the sensing and everything. Even as you say that, I'm like, yeah. So I think more accurately, I, I don't think the big bad is the Borg. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't necessarily mean that that something about him couldn't be Borg-related. Yeah. That's a good point. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in addition to the scene in the, in this ready room or this conference room, whatever it is in the Titan, mm-hmm. uh, we also flash over to, uh, I think it's sick bay or no, maybe it's not sick bay. Some, some room. I don't know if they, they say what it is, where, where data lore yeah. before the, mm-hmm. the quad, the quadruple trifecta <laughs> thing is down there. And uh, we've seen that that both Jordy and his daughter Alondra have been trying to figure out how to make this whole thing with data and lore work because they've figured out inside of his positronic brain that there's like a wall that's mm-hmm. mentioned, right, where you have kind of data on one side and lore on the other, and there's you know Jordy's talking something about. You know, well, what happens if the the curtain comes down? Would would data be able to be strong enough to fight off lore, or would lore overtake it and become everything? And um, I mean, lore was was a pretty like insane character in TNG. He wasn't the most rational. I mean, he was he was he was nuts. I mean, you know, 
I, I, I sometimes think we forget about when we talk about all these villains of Star Trek, right? Whether it's Khan, whether it's the Borg, I mean, you name it, uh, Q, we kind of lose sight of lore a little bit because lore is stronger than the Borg. He's stronger than, I mean, he's he's got data strength and yet he's in completely insane, <laughs> Uh, you know, so it's, it's a, it's a interesting dilemma that they're dealing with. Um, it's also interesting too, that this, this, this particular version of data, uh, does remember some of his time on the enterprise. Um, mm. and the, he, he actually references, I believe there's a reference to the scimitar from nemesis. Um, and, but there's, there's still that dueling personality between lore and, and data. Um, and you notice in this scene that Lore is taking every chance he can get to, you know, basically taunt Picard, <laughs> right? And be like, oh, old man, and you remember anything, you know? And just very, like, mm -hmm. you know, snotty and just obnoxious, which is what we've come to expect from Lore. And there, so Jordy basically tells Picard, hey, look, you know, they're fighting for dominance here in this body. It's 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 like it's like having somebody who's got multiple personalities, right? There's this fight for which personality is the strongest and is going to take control. Um, let's start with you, Chris, in this one because I, I know you 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 have your soapbox about Data's death in season one, and you're welcome to to say anything from that, obviously, that you want. <laughs> but but um, I'm curious on as we continue to see this development on on what we're getting from this body that inhabits data and lore and everything. Uh, what are you, what are your feelings? Are you feel, are you more frustrated by this? Do you wish they would have just left data dead or, or uh, you know, what, what is this doing to you internally? <laughs> internally? What is it doing to me? <laughs> no, no, this is not doing anything bad to me internally. So, so rest thankful for that, Zach. It'll be, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. Um, I, I think for for data, like I said in our last episode, like if if there was going to be a way to bring data back, I really felt that the way they did it in in this season three was the way to do it. I thought that that was great, and and um, you know, only with season one, I think season one and the conclusion of season one just took away from you know people's raw feelings of what they could feel um, on this way that they brought data back in in season three. So my feeling on how they're bringing them back and this, this new kind of vessel that data is and, the, and having both lore and data in the same vessel, as well as the memories of B4 and Soon, I, I think they're all mm -hmm. great, right? I think th those, are, those are all great. I really appreciated, um, you know, Picard, Picard says like a few times, hey, this is hard. This is still hard and this is too much. And he also, someone also brings up the idea of, well, can we just erase lore from, from the, from the positronic, positronic brain? And and think Jordi or Alondra says, no, I, this is so so far advanced. We don't even know how it's going to do that. Um, there's this line separating the personalities, and uh, we don't know what'll happen if that line goes away. Um, and and you know we just they don't know enough at the moment. Uh, to know what's going to happen, and they're just afraid to do it. So, so what I like is setting up this idea of of those very distinct personalities of of lore. So, so lore being that, so lore is very 
he's a he's a madman right he 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 has these delusions but he also has the capacity for emotion and and ambition so his ambitions like go like way far far right but he's got emotion he's got he's got ambition um and then you have you have data data who is a very very pure personality um and who has aspiration himself and wants to be mm -hmm. a best version and I, I like the idea that it was either Jordi or Alondra that says, hey, there's this line here. But there's one vessel, right? There's one vessel. There's yeah. this new vessel that's data. So it's the, the idea that eventually what I think and what I like is that there has to be some integration of both the light and the dark side that is this new data right, right now, right? And so, mm -hmm. and so that, that harmony has to happen for, for that creation of of data to become an actualized like new new version of data and i like that i like that there are both the lore and, and the data in in the same kind of vessel and then for for me i don't know how you know i don't know how it'll how it'll go but it's coming to terms with those um kind of dualities in this new being that's there um mm -hmm. and then when those when those come together it's going to be uh, a whole new even more greater thing than, than it could be you know by lore or data itself. So those are my, those are my thoughts. Yeah. yeah. Jenny, what yeah. about you? Um, the, uh, uh, that's very much where I'm, uh, I'm at with it. Like, like I feel there's so much potential here for something new or something, um, like an, an evolution, like we were talking about last time. Yes. Um, and one thing that's stood out to me um when they first woke him up at daystrom he said at one point when he was sort of going through the personalities like he was sort of like i'm i'm before i'm data i'm and then he said i'm more and then again in this episode somebody said something about like uh no more referring to him and i'm like more more hmm Mm -hmm. data Thor more I don't know <laughs> doctors regardless of, yeah. of whether that's a name I just I think it's an interesting if you just just thinking about you know it's he's he's this he's this but he's also more so not necessarily the name more, but just <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, Doctor Soon's fascination with quirky names has no end, so right? <laughs> may not be wrong. Yeah, it's very, very mm -hmm. interesting. Uh, I to my thoughts on this would pretty much just be, uh, yeah, what he said, because <laughs> that was good. I can't put it, it better. So well, well put, done, yeah. Chris. Yeah, well done. Um, yeah. So uh, in between Lore's, you know, outbursts and him you know, picking on Picard and calling him old and everything. Uh, Data does reveal that. Which was funny. Yeah, which oh was, God. which was, uh, it was so very rude. It just it so was, like. It was so lore, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Data does reveal that um, there is some interest in Picard, the syndrome Picard has, right? That aromatic syndrome. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't really explain the particular issue that we have mm -hmm. but as lore takes back over again data is it's interesting because it flips so data is now asking picard for help 
which mm-hmm. Picard, you know, look what he went through, right? He saw he yeah. saw Data sacrifice himself on the scimitar. He watches Data die again in this consciousness thing that is Chris's favorite scene from the Star Trek series <laughs> thus far. <laughs> Would never I'm happen. I, I'm sorry, Chris. I couldn't help myself there. Um, and so, uh, um, and now he's dealing with this situation, right? Mm. It's just, it's, it's too much, right? I mean, you think about that, right? It would be, it would be a lot for anybody to ask anybody who could be, you know, watching your best friend go through that three different times. And so it's overwhelming and, um, it's, it's a tough situation. It's a tough situation for Picard to be in. I think, I think it's tough for Jordy to mm-hmm. be in as his best friend. I think it's tough for Data, obviously. Um, but if they lift that, that as you mentioned, Chris, if they lift that kind of that wall, right, that that curtain in between Data and Lore, Jordy's worried that it's going to be Lore that takes over, that mm-hmm. Data's personality will lose out. And it's not something I think that Jordy could handle, right? Because he knows his best friend's in there. But the potentially the only way to make it work could be the the downfall of data. Right. And so that's, that's, it's a, that's a tough situation. We'll talk about the scene later between Jordy and data slash lore at that door. Oh Lord. I, uh, it's gonna be hard to talk about. (laughs) Okay. So then we flash over to the shrike and we have (laughs) Vatic there and Vatic's basically mentioning that uh, Picard's allies, which in this case would be, Riker and Indiana um, are not the easiest people to uh, break Riker, especially it's not like, right. I mean, come on. Riker's been interrogated before he's been to the ringer a few times. He knows the whole rigmarole. It's not like he's going to just go, okay, don't shoot. I'll tell you everything. You know, that's not how that works. And, uh, but, but obviously uh, Vatic has, has mentioned and that, you know, time's running out. Right. And they're not breaking fast enough. So, this is where that weird changeling head is yeah. telling her, like, you know, you better make it happen soon. You're running out of time. Um, and and it's clear that this that this this changeling, this particular changeling, this this bad bad one, is the architect behind, I think, a lot of the plans. Um, and it's not happy that Vatic didn't capture Jack. You know, they, they they must have had some love, some timeline that they had come up with, right? Like, hey, this is how it's going to happen. This is how we're going to capture him. And then it didn't happen. And so this other changeling is really mad. Um, but obviously, vatic has got a little bit of a, you know, she's like, all right, all right. Yeah, I just got kicked in the, in, in the butt. It's time to get going. <laughs> we got to We got to bring this. The, we got to we got to bring bring Jack in. Right. Um, and then we go back to the Titan again. And Jack's red eyes light up again. And that's all that whole thing's in the forefront. And uh, we noticed that, uh, yeah, Jack's kind of getting a little, little, a little close there to, uh, to Sydney, you know, after Jordy already told him, stay away from my daughter. He's, he's now here's the interesting thing though. <laughs> okay. This <sighs> scene, this scene, first of all, reminded me of high school. It's like that awkward, like, Oh, mm-hmm. I hold her hand, mm-hmm. you know, the whole like, I'm going to just grab her finger with my finger and kind of, you know, awkward teenager, mm-hmm. awkward teenage hood there. Uh, but what I found very interesting, though, in the whole thing was that it's evident that he can read her thoughts. That was a bit of an interesting thing. We heard him hearing these 
this female voice in his head, right? Having these, these, you know, hallucinations that he eventually is like, Oh, this is just part of that syndrome. I know I have this thing Mm -hmm. now. So I've got this syndrome. Um, but it's evident that, uh, he can hear her voice. And then Jack's trying to be all James Dean, (laughs) you know, for you younger folk, James Dean was like the heartthrob guy back in the 1950s at rebel without a cause and east of eden and my grandmother would be proud by the way reference yeah. there you go nice yeah, I, hey hey i'll tell you i'll tell you what though, i love me some rebel without a cause that's mm. a heck of a movie heck of a movie if you haven't seen it go watch it um but yeah it's it's uh it's a very it's a bit of an awkward moment in the turbo lift what did you guys think when you when you first saw that let's start with you in this one chris what was your thought on this whole sydney and jack exchange on the turbo lift the little romance building I thought they were, I thought it was a cute scene. Mm. Yeah, I did. I mean, it was, you know, the the episode before when you had Jordy say, like, stay away from my daughter. And um, and their moment on the turbo lift where you have this, you know, Jack having this dialogue with Sydney and he's being kind of funny and, you know, he's he's nervous and he's awkward and he's saying, you know, but how big are your quarters? And I have a nice, I have nice quarters. Mm. And um, I thought it I thought it was very, 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 very cute. And then, you know, at at the end, uh, when Sydney is kind of exiting, um, and you see, you know, something happening with Jack and his eyes and his and his mind, and Sydney kind of looking at him because Sydney's kind of understanding that well, hey, something's kind of off mm-hmm. here, right? Yeah. And she's like, why, you know, why did you do that? Like, why did you touch my hand? I think. Um, so, I thought it was cute, and I thought it kind of set it up, set up some, um, some more things with with jack and um also set up some questions in sydney's mind right she's like she's like something's off with jack so mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Those were, i thought it was a good scene yeah yeah what about you jenny yeah just um definitely sort of like establishing a little more of a connection with them a little more of hey maybe this isn't aromatic syndrome mm. Cause I'm pretty sure it doesn't give you superpowers, <laughs> um, you know, um, that there's definitely more to what's going on with Jack than just a, like a medical condition. It's definitely not that. Um, so it, and then even to have him having those hallucinations almost in a more kind of casual way, the fact that he like, it was just happening and it wasn't that sort of scary thing where he's, you know, he didn't, he didn't try to kill her, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, just I mean more more questions definitely. Yeah, for sure. I did find it interesting. So you mentioned Chris when she gets off a turbo lift and turns around and looks at him. His eyes glow red, but it doesn't seem like she realizes that his eyes glow red. So uh, I'm guessing that is a reveal that no one else can see his eyes turn red. Only mm-hmm. us as the audience can. That changes things, I think, a little bit, because in other there's other other scenes in, in previous episodes where his eyes glow red, and they almost make it seem like, okay, maybe somebody noticed, or it happens at a time when no one's really looking at him. Now we see somebody staring right at him when it happens, yeah, and I don't think she notices. So that's also very interesting that it may not be visible to everybody else. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I thought it was funny, though, when she's like, oh, maybe he just, he just touched my hand or something like that. And then he doesn't. She's like, oh, oh uh, <laughs> did you just can you read my mind? Like that thought of like, how did you know that I was 
And then maybe she starts connecting. I mean, she's a LaForge. She's smart, right? I mean, she's got some good deductive <laughs> reasoning going on here. You know, her, her, or that whole line of 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 families pretty darn smart. I mean, Jordy's parents were in Starfleet. They yeah. were they were pretty accomplished officers, right? Mm-hmm. I think that uh, you know, there's the, the apple doesn't fall fall too far from the tree, uh, which I believe was actually quoted in this episode. Yeah. Um, oh, but, right. Uh, yeah, did, I'm pretty sure. Did they the apple far fall far, or did the tree move? Yeah, yeah. yeah that was <laughs> was that lore that says yeah, that. I yeah. think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Um, very interesting, mm-hmm. but yeah, the, these, these weird things are, are flaring back up again. And so Jack comes to the bridge and tries to find Picard and he gets there and of course is interrupted and there's another trace coming by Starfleet. Mm-hmm. The, the thing though, is it's, it's, um, it's in addition to this, this compromise prefix code which they're thinking, oh, Picard comes to the conclusion, oh, it could be from Riker. And so uh, Jack and Picard head in the ready room. They have a little heart-to-heart. Uh, and Jack, I think the weight of things is starting to catch up, right? Mm-hmm. The weight of people are dying. They're all after me. I'm just going to give myself up. I don't want anybody else to die, Um you know, he even mentions too, like, hey, you know, Riker, Riker's got he's got a family. He's got mm-hmm. a wife. He's got a daughter. I don't want him to die for me. Like, who am I? You know, who, who am I? Why, mm-hmm. why should they die for me? Uh, what were your guys' thoughts as, as Jack's starting to I think the, the weight uh, and the reality is starting to set in on him before it was just, hey, these people chasing me, you know, whatever. I think the weight's really starting to sink. So, Jenny, let's start with you. What, what did you think when you saw? Uh, Jack's kind of, you know, internal, uh, you know, his look, looking inward and the weight that it was uh, starting to have on him. I think, um, I think he, he's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a lot. It's literally, it's like, it's, it's, it's heavy on him. And I thought it was interesting when he was saying, you know, to, to, to know that people have died for me or that people are going to die for me, you know, and sort of like, sort of saying to Picard, like, 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 do you, do you understand what that feels like? And I, it was almost, Picard sort of didn't really get a chance or didn't sort of, it was, it was almost like he didn't know how to say it, but, but, but he does know what that's like, Yeah, you know? Um, so yeah. And, and he, he started telling him, like that that he doesn't feel normal or that he 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 has never felt completely normal that he's always sort of felt like something was wrong and then he starts to say i can hear things in my mind and then he doesn't finish telling him <laughs> oh yeah does he not finish or does the scene cut that's a that's a no, great point it, you had he 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 doesn't finish cuz cuz he sort of I think he feels this is ridiculous. Like, like I can't be hearing people's thoughts, you know, like, and so instead of sort of finishing what he's saying, he kind of like, and then Picard sort of sort of starts talking to fill it in, you know, to sort of fill in. So it doesn't, that's when, um, that's when Picard gets the idea to let her come basically, but it sort of cuts off what Jack was saying. I think the thing is, I mean, it's, 
we've seen time and time again with this particular crew, I mean, that if somebody is having a problem, they can go to the crew and everybody's going to believe them. They might think that's pretty weird, but everybody is always willing to give everyone, everyone the, the, the benefit of the doubt, you know, um, like, and we're going to get to the bottom of this, you know, um, a lot of good examples actually going back to Beverly in TNG, like in Remember Me and Clues, where the crew is being presented with something very weird and they're just like, okay, all right, we're going to sort this out. Um, but Jack doesn't have that experience. So, and he's so used to kind of doing things on his own to, to some extent that it's, it's interesting to see him holding back when he's with the people who are the most likely to actually try to help him. It's frustrating. Mm. I love that you mentioned probably my favorite episode of TNG <sighs> clues. clues? Mm. I love oh, a good, clues, yeah. I love a good whodunit murder mystery, yeah. like the game clue, the movie clue. Mm. Uh, I, I love those kind of things. So uh, yeah, very, very interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Chris, what about you? What, what did, what were you thinking uh, as you're, as you're seeing Jack, come to the realization uh, of the the reality of things and the weight that's now bearing down on him from all the, the death and everything that's been happening that he, he believed it's his fault. That's what he, he feels like. So what, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I thought it was a very, of course, a very human reaction from, from Jack. Right. And so he is, he certainly doesn't want, people to suffer because of him or die because of him and yet they are and so he's he's trying to explain to his dad now that i feel terrible that all these people are suffering and this is all because of me and mm -hmm. and i can i can end this if i if we just call the shrike and we call vatic i can end this if if we call them and i just give myself up and what you know what what value do i have i'm just one life amongst all these other lives here? Why am I more, more important? And I love that that question was posed. And I love that he's, he's posing that question to his dad and that his dad has gone through all of these kinds of decisions before. And you see that on his face, or at least I, I, mm -hmm. I, I could see that. I could see that on his face, right? So, 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 so Picard, Picard has, has often had to go, yeah, how much, how much would we go? What efforts would we go to to save one life? And the answer is all to save one life. They would do whatever it takes to save one life. They would do whatever it takes to protect someone. And so that's part of part of you know Picard's only his his own personal values, right? But that that's that's what he's displayed when he's had to do a lot of those choices before. And I I love that that's there. Now he's got his son son in front of him, and then his son's kind of explaining, like, and I'm not right in the head, you know, at the same time, <laughs> something's wrong with me, and I'm hearing voices and and ever since you know i was growing up I, i've had these problems um and and i like that picard's like well tell me you know tell me what you hear so i'm really interested in like how how that comes about and what we learn mm. from there but um but when i was when i was watching that scene right this is not only in star trek but like in, in other in other films we've had like we've talked about saving private ryan and and you know the the efforts mm. that we will do as people if if to protect someone if if mm -hmm. someone is in danger um so so i like that that's there but it's natural that jack would go hey um 
I'm causing all of these people to suffer. I'm calling. I'm causing all of these people to die. You know, the logical mm-hmm. thing. Logical thing for me is to give myself up. You know, and and you can look at it from that certain point of view. Like, okay, that could be a logical thing, right? Sacrifice one, one for the good of the many, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's that's that form of uh, maybe maybe like utilitarian or Kantian like ethics that's there, but it's not the human thing to do either, right? So yeah. So I like that that's there. You sound okay. very Vulcan, Chris. That's good. No. <laughs> well, that's what the right. Yeah. So the Vulcans would yeah. practice yeah. that kind of yeah. kind of ethical decision making. So yeah. Yeah, but Zach, Yak, how about you? What'd you think? Yeah. What you said. No, 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 no. <laughs> no. Uh no, I I if I was in Jack's shoes, I'd probably do the same thing. I'd be like, you know, like this isn't worth it. You know, it's not where there's too many people dying. Like, who who am I? I mean, really, who who am I? I'm just I'm just one person. And the decisions I've made or whatever it is about me that is causing these people to to kill other people and go after me and stuff like that. It's not worth it anymore. Um, I, I that's a that's a very common human reaction, like you said, Chris, in many movies. Right. We see that across a multitude of storytelling and a multitude of different types of storytelling of, of people sacrificing themselves for others and, and, or wanting to anyways. Right. You know, they don't always, but wanting to at least. So uh, yeah, I, I, I feel the same way. I think if I was in Jack's shoes, I'd probably want to do the same thing to be honest with you. I mean, he doesn't have a family, doesn't have kids. Yeah. Um, he Riker was the prime example of someone he brought up who has a family and he doesn't think it's fair that, that, that Riker, Riker's family suffer and pay for, you know, him in a sense. Um, so I, I did find it interesting here that Picard basically tries to assure him that, um, no, no, you're worth it. This, this whole thing's worth it. And of course, Picard's kind of seeing the bigger picture, right? I and mean, he's an admiral. He was a captain of the flagship uh, of the Federation. So he sees everything at like a strategic level, this big picture strategic, like, no, it's about you, but it's not about you, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, right? Like, you are important because, well, in this case, he's his son, right? But um, you're you're important, but this that what we're trying to do here and stop is is equally, if not more important. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, because of that, you know, Picard Picard's had a lot of uh, a lot of experience getting out of tricky situations. We all know that, right? From his mm-hmm. from from TNG in the movies, he's found ways to get out of things. Uh, and so Picard there at the very end of that little scene there uh, thinks and tells Jack, "Hey, I think we actually have the upper hand here. I think we could set some sort of a trap." In so many words, for Vatic. And so uh, <clears throat> we then pivot pivot back to the Shrike. And Vatic and her crew, which, by the way, Chris, when you mentioned this, I don't know if it was the last episode or two episodes ago where you mentioned that, well, maybe the maybe those things that are with her are actually other changelings into that suit. I was like, yeah, I don't know. I think this episode kind of confirmed that there are other changelings. So, you know, I'll give you a little virtual (laughs) clap here for uh, for for I mean, seriously, for for you know thinking that idea and that being the case because they didn't play it off as though they were changelings they played it off as they were some alien species that was working with them but 
I don't think they direct. No, no. I don't know if they directly said it, but it at certainly the, had scenes where it's like, yeah, these things have to be other changelings. At, towards the end of the episode, one of them calls Jack solid. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep, that's true. And that was But like, there's there's oh. nowhere in the episode where they abs- actually say something that makes them say, oh, yeah, I'm a changeling. But mm-hmm. there's enough in it, like you said, Jenny, that says, okay, they have to be changelings. What else would they be? Mm-hmm. So can I ask? A, you, I so you ask called a, that. So you called that, Chris. Good, yeah. good on you on that one. I want to ask a question for both of you. Um, the The masks that they are wearing, like in the in the suits. Uh, so each each kind of individual is kind. Of, they've got a different mask, right? And and I don't know if I was seeing it right, but it looked like this was my first thought when I saw it. I want to see what you guys think. Uh, I thought, okay, these kind of look like the masks um, from Europe during maybe either like similar to Venetian masks or or during the plague. Um, when they would oh, wear like different different masks when they were treating people that had the plague or something like that. But I want to see what you guys thought about those. Masks. I think I've been thinking so much about like, what are they? Yeah. Then I, yeah, haven't been paying enough attention to just looking at them. You know, I've been sort of just like, because um, I actually hadn't noticed the masks were different. Yeah, they're okay. different on each one. Each one has a different kind of mask. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just neat. It's just neat. Like, yeah, the, it is. Like the design, design is kind of neat. And why? Why are they wearing mm-hmm. masks? Yeah. Like, if they're changelings, they don't need masks. They can just look however they want. One basically. Would think. Right? Yeah. Unless there's, there's got to be, there's got to be some, mm-hmm. uh, there's got to be a specific reason. They haven't revealed it yet, but there's got to mm-hmm. be a reason why they're wearing those masks. Um. Of course, I, I hear the word masks and I'm like, oh, it's a terrible TNG season seven episode with data. It's like one of the worst episodes of Star Trek. It's something. Um, it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's something. All right. It's something. Um, well, Jenny, if it's something, please explain to us what that something might be. <laughs> we'll save that for another episode. Um, but yeah, so we're, we're back on the strike and... It's very evident that these changelings do not care about harming other changelings because she has no problem shooting and vaporizing each uh-huh. other. So it's very like, okay, this is, this is interesting. Mm-hmm. But uh, we, we'll learn, I think, maybe kind of one of the reasons mm-hmm. why that's the case and more about Vatic here in just a bit. Um, but the, the changelings uh, recover some kind of a recording that shows that the Titan is, is dead in the water um, after another scuffle with... It looks like was in the debris field. Was that a Vulcan ship that was floating mm-hmm. up there? I think so. Yeah. So. Yeah. Do they? Do they? I guess they thought that. Oh, they got into a skirmish with a Vulcan ship. I mean, why would why would the Vulcan ship in, in a Federation ship? I mean, they're part it's, of the Federation. Why would they scuffle? It sounded Starfleet. I almost was thinking that they had faked the that the Titan had actually faked that that broadcast. To sort of make it sound like there had been another ship, but they'd mm-hmm. had to bugger off. Yeah. Just as yeah. a as a lure. Yeah, that's how would it. Yeah, mm-hmm. me too. Because I because I, I think the Vulcan ship is older. Because when did was it in the last episode? Somebody said something about the rate. Oh, um, they couldn't get readings from the Titan on the Shrike because of the radiation coming off of the off of the Vulcan ship. Like I think it had been sitting there for a while yeah mm-hmm. yeah 
So it's interesting. Uh, aboard the Titan, things seem okay, but once the changelings get on board, of course they run right into Jack. He taunts them, gets them deeper into the ship, and the trap that they've laid out, right? They This trap that Picard was kind of talking about, about capturing Vatic and these changelings, is really using force fields, right? Um, to me, that was a little bit, uh, yeah, it was kind of a little lazy in my opinion. It wasn't very creative. I didn't think, because, I mean, come on. It's not like they've never done that before in Star Trek. Oh, we're going to create a trap. Okay, throw up force fields and trap them in one spot. There was several TNG episodes where they use that as part of a security protocol, security measures, where mm -hmm. they'll throw up force fields. Data used them when he kind of went a little nutso and just had these random force fields be thrown up in, in the hallways to keep security off of them. I kind of felt it was a little bit lazy in the writing. Um, that I kind of feel like they could have done something a little more crazy. Like, come on, like, where's Macaulay Culkin at? Throw some freaking <laughs> micro machines in the but, floor and but, trip them or something. But these are changelings, right? Yeah, but they know but, that they. How do you contain a changeling? Well, you, you have from... to have a bio field. You can't just have a a a, a normal force field. You have to mm -hmm. have something in, in addition to that. But still, I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just me. I was kind of hoping for more than just oh, throw up some, mm. some bio force field stuff and then we'll, we'll trap them. Yeah. Anyways, I wasn't super excited about that. That's fair. But. They're they're able Jack and and Sydney are able to trap these these other changelings in a couple spots in this hallway, right? And then Picard and Beverly are able to trap Vatic, mm -hmm. mostly Beverly is <laughs> able to trap Vatic inside these force fields inside. I believe it was sick bay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the this little game kind of takes a turn when uh, when when Sydney and uh, Jack are themselves trapped right in in these force fields um and jordy is trying to be the dad to the rescue here and beam him out but uh lore unfortunately has taken control and is mm. preventing the transporters from being used and that's no good that's no bueno chris <laughs> that's no bueno no bueno as you always like as you like to say uh but they're going through all of that. They're dealing with all of that. And we also have Vatic in custody. Now, this scene with Vatic in custody and Beverly and then Picard who comes in, this is a this is a bit of a whopper. To me, to me, this is the best scene of the episode. I'll get into my my we'll get into all of our total thoughts mm -hmm. for the episode at the end here. But to me, this was the best part of the whole episode was discovering this backstory, right? Figuring out why Vatic is the way she is, figuring out maybe why she has a scars, figuring out uh, why these changelings are doing what they're doing. I think I'll be honest with you. I don't feel like to me personally that the reason why they're doing it is super shocking, but we at least get to learn why that is. Um, so I want to get your guys' thoughts on this. Uh, let's start with you this time, Chris. Where... So this whole scene's unfolding, right? You've got Vatic in this bio field to keep her from getting out and liquid, you know, gooing on the floor and then running, you know, fleeting away. Uh, and you've got Beverly confronting her with a phaser. A card comes in with a phaser. <laughs> what are you thinking through this scene? What did this scene, you know, do for you personally? I, I thought it was an excellent scene. I thought um, seeing... The backstory of Vatic was was terrific and good. 
so it certainly gave us <clears throat> a lot more uh, sympathy for for Vadek, I think. Um, so like prior to her going on to the Titan, you know, she has that really, really hard exchange with whatever whatever creature that is kind of uh, in charge and telling telling her, go find Jack, right? And she, you know, she's conflicted and she's she's trying. But this this backstory of of her sharing with Beverly and Picard that, hey, you guys don't really know the whole story of the Dominion War, do you? Um, this is what happened. And I was a prisoner of war of the Federation. And I was on Daystrom, on um, the Daystrom station, and they experimented, experimented on me and my, my other people. Um, and they tortured us. And Doesn't she say like her... They they experiment on her and her brothers and sisters or something like that. To yeah, make it yeah. Real, to make it real personal. There yeah, were ten yeah. of them. Yeah. Ten of yeah. Them, yeah. Um, you know, and and they they tortured us uh, all so that we could become your weapon. Um, and I and I I like that a lot because she she is a creation, um, and her being an antagonist and her being the villain is a creation of. The Federation. She's a credit, you know. She she's a creation that, like, we created, right? So we we I'm saying like as if we were the Federation, but what I'm saying, <laughs> right? So, oh, we are, so we are, we are, we are. So we we being, um, our our greatest our greatest enemy. We we made this. We made this creation that is now against us and after us because we didn't, um, behave according to our highest ideals. So so. You you have so that's that with Vatic, which I, I think gives her like a great backstory as a villain, because you know she's she has this very very legitimate and and personal um, reason to hate the Federation absolutely because um, she's calling the Federation out for being duplicitous, and mm. and so so but then but then you also have this great scene I think a great scene between. Beverly and Picard, where after they've learned of Vatic's backstory and they've invited her on the ship and they just kind of know like, well, we've said something like brilliant, like we've invited death on the ship. And, mm. and you know, you know, Beverly and Beverly is struggling, right? You know, Picard is struggling because yeah, they're, they want to capture uh, Jack, their son. And I, I love a few things that they say where Picard says, have we, because they're about I, I sensed I got the feeling that they were about ready to execute um Vatic. Yeah. And and Picard says something, have have we come this far that we're willing we're throwing out everything that we believe in as as people? And Beverly says something like, My moral compass is gone. I don't know where I am. And mm. and I love that that's there. I love that that situation is there because because uh, like I was talking about borders and line and dualities, you know, that's that's all there and your dualities about like organizations and organizations that may have high ideals, but they have this other, other kind of part of them this, that's in the shadow um, where the intent was good, but their methods were like, like awful. So, so I really I, I like that. I love that. That's there. I like as a theme um, and set up. And that was kind of like Zach. It was like my favorite, favorite part uh, of it too. And I think it sets up like a great, great third act of the, of the episode so yeah it was great that's what i that's what i got out of it when i saw it i was like yeah it was like and i thought they were the perfect people to be to, to play that scene out yeah. yeah what about you jenny 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, I felt like watching the three of them was like a master class. Like the, the the acting chops in that room, in that scene, like just, you know, because because you were, you get it. You understand where each one of them is coming from. You know, you understand, um, you know, Vatic's whole, I mean, sh she's with the changelings, but but there is this level of it that she's explaining that is that extra personal level for her. You know, um, and that also looking at Picard and Beverly, it's the same. They also have, you know, overall they're trying to, you know, help the Federation, but they're all they also have this personal investment. So again, the that sort of duality that there's the sort of the the kind of mirror. Um and it's I mean, Vatic said some stuff. Like, <laughs> did she ever <laughs> man you know, it was, like, you know it was heavy like your shirt yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> those of you who are who are listening to this she's wearing a flux capacitor shirt That's and don't right. worry her flux shirt is fluxing right now <laughs> sorry exactly. i didn't mean to derail i'm not trying not to derail. at all Continue. not at all um yeah like that uh, uh that what is she yeah i mean oh and actually um, Chris, like you were saying, she's, you know, bringing up the winners, right? The history that, you know, that there is this sort of shining beacon of the Federation and what they, how they present themselves or the, or, yeah. or what the story that they tell, but they, it's not the whole story, you know, and it, and it, and it never is, you know, like, I mean, if just, just humans in general. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's a lot to us, you know, and, and yes, obviously, I mean, I mean, this goes into like Star Trek in general, that overall, it's this um, aspirational idea of what humans are capable of, but we also can't forget that we're also capable of uh, bad stuff too. And, uh, you know, we can't, oh, I can really get, I can really get on with this, but, but no, this is great, but, but that. All right, so this is a little side thing, but like yeah. people often talk about, you know, Roddenberry's vision and the utopia of Star Trek. And I don't believe that utopias are possible. And I don't think that was the intention that, well, it might've been Gene Roddenberry's intention, but I think Star Trek in general has sort of uh, surpassed that, that it's, you're, there's an aspiration towards a perfect world, but it has to include all aspects of us and we as humans aren't perfect. So to create this world where we're all actually taking care of each other and, you know, no one's left behind, we also have to, we have to keep working at it. We can't become complacent about the negative parts of ourselves and that's sort of when people talk about Star Trek, you know, some of the newer Trek being a little bit on the dark side or that it's not positive, I, I, I never agree with that because I feel like the darkness in Picard in particular is a reminder that we have to be vigilant and we have to work at being the best of ourselves. 
unseen. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Excellent. <laughs> no, that was awesome. Um, yeah. I I think you made a good point there. Okay. So so the original series and, and the first couple seasons of TNG, at least the first three-ish seasons of TNG, mm-hmm. while Gene Roddenberry was alive, was a utopian view. Mm-hmm. He he believed that in the future we would figure all this out. And or that there's hopes that we'd figure it all out. We'd overcome all of our differences and everything would be great and everything would be grand, you know, at least from the perspective of you know humankind, right? Obviously, in in TNG and Toss, they encounter other species and things like that that don't quite have it all together. Mm-hmm. But he believed that you know humanity would eventually one day overcome a lot of those things. And I think some things we have, and there's still a lot more stuff we haven't. I I've said it before, Chris, and 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 you'll know this that D Space Nine never would have been made if Gene Roddenberry was still alive. It it went against the view that he had of the future or, or, or the, the, the future he was hoping to, to create through this, this series, right. And this, this uh, positive view of things, Picard, especially this season is playing very heavily off of that idea that yeah, things in the future will, we hope will be better, but it's not all going to be figured out. Gene Roddenberry himself. And this is not me, you know, bashing on the man. Mm. He was an imperfect person. If you go read stuff about him, he was not a perfect person either. You know, uh, we all, none of us, there's no such thing as a perfect person. Exactly. Um, you know, and so we all have a lot of things to work on. And I think Picard and you, I think you, you both said it perfectly. Picard is a great reminder that uh, there's still a lot of evil and we got to overcome that. And Picard season three is kind of showing that. You mentioned Jenny. In Picard season three, we are seeing this idea that Starfleet, and well, we kind of already knew this from D- from DS9, right? And and in some and actually in some instances TNG, but DS9 really it was a, I think the first show to bring this about. Starfleet presents this beautiful image of like, hey, we're here to help. We're all about science and exploration, and we're here to do good. But there's some shady backwater stuff going on with Section 31, and we are seeing the fallout of the Dominion War in Picard Season 3. We are seeing just how far the Federation, some some members of the Federation were willing to go, Starfleet in particular, obviously, were willing to go to win the war. Right in in the in the Dominion War, Starfleet got into war mode. It was just we're doing whatever we can to win. Look at Cisco. Cisco is a perfect example of someone who was did everything in his power to win. He lied. He cheated. All you know his famous quote from In the Pale Moonlight, which is one of the greatest episodes I think there is. Um, and and this this reveal by Vatic. Well, uh, personally, I don't think it was unexpected. I felt like, okay, if she's a changeling, something's happened. Like, what happened to her and her brothers and sisters or whatever is similar. Not exactly the same, but similar to what happened to Odo. Mm-hmm. Right? With Odo, the the Bajoran, I can't remember the guy's name off the top of my head. The Bajoran found him, the doctor, who he kind of loathed, did all sorts of stuff to try to figure out who he was and what he could do and everything else. It wasn't to the same extreme that what Vatican, her mm-hmm. her her uh, nine other uh, folks went through. 
but some similarities there. This scene to me was really powerful because it shows that Starfleet uh, and the Federation in general are not who they appear to be. It's kind of a realization. It's kind of a a slap to the face a little bit for some Star Trek fans. Like, hey, it ain't all great. You know, this was a powerful scene. This that that scene where in this scene where the flashbacks, right? And she's talking about how this doctor would intentionally do things to hurt them. And Chris, you mentioned about how like they she says something to the effect of uh what was it that that you were creating us for your as your weapons or something like that. Yeah. That was powerful. My goodness. To me, the, this is the best scene in the whole episode to me. Um the the experiments that they performed were meant to turn them into some sort of undetectable spies. And instead they mm -hmm. became monsters. Mm -hmm. And that's a that's a that's a, a fairly, you know, common uh storytelling theme that we've seen throughout literature and you know human history of stuff like that um okay so as as the story's closing from vatic uh she she turns it to now jack mm -hmm. and she starts kind of taunting beverly a little bit interesting the line she says and i want to get your guys's take on this where she where she points out uh that jack isn't for her in the same way he really wasn't for you either that was like, oh, yep, Beverly knows something. <clears throat> Beverly knows more than than she's leading on. Uh, and I find it interesting, too, that she's like, hey, you're going to lose another son. So now she's referencing um, Wesley. Mm -hmm. Well, sure, he lost Wesley because he became one of those travelers, right? But Wesley's not dead. But mm -hmm. that you're going to lose another son. And she's now she's making it personal to Beverly, mm -hmm. like getting into the whole family thing, bringing up her other son. Woo! What do you guys think about that? Go ahead, Jenny. Anything Jenny, you go, you go yeah. first this time. Yeah, go ahead, Jenny. You go first. So, <laughs> and again, I am trying not to go, um, but yeah, because she also said to Jack, like, I want to take you to a better place yeah um <clears throat> and because the face wants him right vatic thinks mm -hmm. it's great because she can like get a little extra you know pain to these people basically. Yeah, a little payback yeah um but like she said he's not for me this is i'm i'm just i'm just doing my job here um so which again brings us back to who is the face you know <laughs> who is the face yeah and he did he i'm saying he in a general sense but but the face said to her um number one he was manipulating her goo yeah um in a weird way uh in that he seems to have some control over her physically even that he's not there. Um, but also referred to her as you and your kind. Mm. So is he a changeling? Is he something else? 
or someone else. Um, he's not a changeling. I hope he's not a changeling. I think he's not. I think I just, he's something else. I, I think, think he's something, something else. else. Yeah. Yep. That that and the fact that she's sort of, you know, suggesting that Jack that the plan for Jack isn't necessarily. It's I don't know. Oh, I don't know. I'm so excited to know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I'm a okay. I'm a little nervous. I'm I'm starting to get nervous. This is maybe this is just me. We only have three episodes left. I'm getting nervous because I, I have I have full confidence and trust in Terry and what they're doing with this season of Picard. But there's a part of me that's worried. Like, what if what if what becomes of all this is not what I wanted or hoped for? I know that sounds selfish and it's not meant to be, but you know what I mean. Like from like it. it what what if it's not is. I don't know. I I'm trying not to think this way, Chris. Before I I, I <laughs> go down a road I shouldn't. What are your thoughts from this scene? As this scene, as this, this uh kind of uh, flashback from Vatic is wrapping up, what are your thoughts about how she turns this on on Beverly and makes this super personal for her family? Yeah, was this the same scene that I think this just flashed in my mind? Did Vatic say something about Beverly keeping? The knowledge of Picard's son from from Picard. Yes, right. That, yes, that, that humans are so that yes. that humans are so good at, at 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 ignoring the suffering of others that they're yes very good at sort of. And, I thought you know, that was would, incredible. Would you have kept him from Picard if you'd been able to feel his his suffering or 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 or, or been able to feel what it what it would do to him? Yeah. Oh, that was beautiful. Mm, it was, yeah, that yeah. that was incredible. That was incredible. Yeah. I I got the sense that when Vatic said so so Vatic said a couple of things to Jack, right? She she said, I think when she first sees him, she says something like, Oh my darling boy. You know, she uses that phrase. So so Jack is of great value to them somehow. I don't think they want to hurt him mm-hmm. at all. And 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 she wants to take him to a better place. And I got the sense that there's some, of course, there's some connection that, that Vatic and, and has with Jack or Jack has with, uh, with the changelings that we, we just don't know about. Maybe we'll, we'll, we'll learn about more, but you do get the sense that there's great value. Jack is of great value to them. And that made me feel that, okay, maybe it's something Jack has more meaning other than him just providing the DNA for Picard's body, you know, just uh, to make a, a duplicate of Picard. Mm-hmm. Um, so when Vatic says to Beverly in that scene that yeah, he's not, uh, he's not for you either. He's not for me. He's not for you either. I got the sense that Beverly. I got the sense that that surprised Beverly. That that was like, okay, I don't know I what you're too, talking. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, I don't. <clears throat> I, I felt that Beverly thought, I'm not sure what she's talking about. Like, I mean, Beverly knows that there's something wrong for sure. But she's like, I don't know what's going on either. Um, so, so I'm thinking, I'm thinking Beverly doesn't know. I'm thinking uh, the captain, uh, or Admiral Picard doesn't know. Um, and of course, Vatic, you know, Vatic probably knows, but she's not. She's not. She's not sharing. Um, but I thought, yeah, that was a great scene. Uh, and we'll find out. We'll find out what Jack is. Mm-hmm. supposed to be for the mystery deepens after that one yeah yeah, yeah. i don't think he's a change i don't think he's changeling yeah. i yeah. hope not oh i yeah. hope not 
I did appreciate when she, you know, when she was saying, I just want to take you to a better place. She yeah. didn't say, I want to take you home. Yeah. Which yeah. I was very almost nice. afraid as she started saying that, I thought she was going to say, I want to take you home. And I would have been like, ah. yeah. No. yeah. Cause then you're thinking the great link. Yeah. Yeah. But the fact that, yeah, a better place, whatever that is. Anyway. Yeah. I found that interesting in this scene. I was it uh I think Picard said something to the effect of Beverly where he asks her like are we so fundamentally changed that we're both willing to compromise our moral compass mm -hmm. something along those lines right and then Beverly's kind of like yeah yeah I would you know her son's involved yeah yeah, yeah. like right I do now, it. yeah they 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 make the decision that they're going to kill Vatic unfortunately then here comes Lore Right, he drops the force field, and she slithers away right up up the up some vent or something like that in the mm -hmm. ship, and she's she's gone. Who knows where she went in the ship? And uh, so now we flash over to Sydney and Vat and uh, Jack, um, not Zach. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so uh. um uh, it this scene I found very interesting because now. We've seen not only Jack get super nervous that something's going to happen to Sydney. So he's obviously, I mean, obviously he's got feelings for her, right? You know, uh, he's, he's like, Hey, you know, I just, my finger just touched your hand. <laughs> We've got a connection. I must save you. You must, you must survive. I must ask you to the prom. You know, he's, he's got that, that, that love for her going on right now. So, they're fighting, you know, they, 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 they start fighting these, uh, these other changelings. Right. And Jack's Jack's pretty, pr pretty much able to handle himself in this situation. Sydney, not so much. You know, the other changeling significantly bigger than she is. Mm. Uh, and then we learn that apparently Jack can all of a sudden like control somebody else's body and like throw his flashy eyes to the other body. And then she starts moving and then he beats the crap by the other changeling and, using her it's like what the heck was that i mean it, it, it's it's almost like jack went to professor x's school for the the, the gifted <laughs> yeah oh that was good yeah did he get some training under professor x I yeah. mean, it's the same dude right mm -hmm. so i don't know what do you guys <laughs> think about that dude. is that the same Wait, oh yeah He's yeah rex and x-men yeah. man oh, come on goodness come on chris don't make me don't make me pull your nerd card man oh yeah no it's it was it was, it was an attempt at a crossover joke that didn't maybe not go as well as i was hoping it would but anyways that was a yeah. good good one it was, so was good it that, okay yeah so good so good you're like wait a second what <laughs> Uh, yeah. So that, that's, that's what I'm here for. I'm here for really bad mm. jokes, but, um, but anyways, this was a very interesting scene. Uh, this whole idea that Jack is able to somehow possess her, possess somebody else, take control of their body, like fight with her, like what Worf did for Quark, you know, when he was defending mm. girl, when he was defending Grilka, <laughs> I'm like, okay, so it's, this is some minus the tech technological pieces, yeah. Uh, let's start with you on this one, Chris. What, what what did you think when you saw all of a sudden that Jack can like throw his and possess other bodies? Yeah, I thought it was a neat action, like set piece. So there's some there's some desperation there, mm -hmm. um, and then that it, it seemed like he was tapping into some abilities that he didn't know 
that he had, right? Um, mm -hmm. So I thought that was neat. And okay, since you guys just, since you said Professor X, and then you brought in the <laughs> the X. Well, no, this I'm was sorry, great. That I you, didn't mean to derail no, it. <laughs> no, no, you didn't derail it because I didn't have this. I didn't even have this thought before. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I thought it was great since you you brought that in. And I'm, I mean, this mystery is so deep. We don't we don't know. But but we had talking about you know we had been talking about the idea of like evolution before evolution and all its different kind of forms. But what if he's what if he's like tapping into this evolved uh capability of humanity that's 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 there now right and he's mm -hmm. and then he's the he's the representative of it so beverly 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 said you know his mind's always been on overdrive since he was growing up and um we'll see i don't know mm -hmm. yeah i mean but don't know if that'll go the way that go but that since you guys brought in professor x i was thinking oh okay maybe it's some evolution of that's, of a person that's really interesting because I I think one thing that we haven't really um, entertained is the idea that there hasn't necessarily been some kind of manipulation here. Like maybe that this is just a weird jump forward and the changelings are trying to exploit it as opposed to having caused it in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. And Jack's still hearing those voices, I think. As yeah. Part of now, right. Yeah. So see yeah yeah that all means mm. i'm gonna i'm gonna change my zoom name on here to train conductor because i keep derailing the conversation so <laughs> no it's i good. think it's great it really is yeah so it's, it's very interesting i found that uh you know this episode started to reveal a lot more about jack right mm -hmm. and some of the additional things powers whatever you want to call them that he has we didn't know about um we knew about the the red flashy eyes we knew about the seeing things and the hearing things now we know he can read minds he can possess other people kind of creepy uh, but he helps her out he mm -hmm. fights off the changeling i'm thinking to myself i'm thinking to myself man like they're not going to kill off one of LaForge's daughters, are they? Like that was running mm. through my mind in mm. this. Like, oh, this are, 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 intense. It was episodes. so, espe especially, especially, yeah, especially from Jordy's perspective, right? Mm -hmm. We'll get into that intense scene here in a minute. Um, but it was intense, like watching Jordy beg Lore to release the force fields mm -hmm. because he didn't want Sydney to die. Like he started, he got. Super most started bawling. I'm thinking to myself, oh Lord, what if that was my daughter? Like I would be the same way. I'd be freaking out. I'd be like punching the glass. I'd be doing something to be like release, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. Maybe I would even I don't try to run to save her. But then what Lord just stop you the force field, I guess. Mm -hmm. But like, yeah, it was just man, that it was tough. And uh thankfully though, she doesn't die. I don't think they would have done that. That I think fans would have rioted if they would have killed off one of LaForge's daughters, who happened to be his real daughter in real life. That'd have been terrible. But yeah, he's he's we 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 flash it. We're flashing back and forth between that scene there, Jordy, you know, ha trying to haggle with Laura, trying to 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 barter with him to get him to stop, and he's begging. He is begging Data hmm. to take control. He's begging Data to fight, and that was that was an emotional scene. That was really emotional. Let's start with you on that one, Jenny. What uh, what were your thoughts on this when you're watching Jordy get super emotional, seeing his daughter getting the, the snot beat out of her, and then trying to, you know, mm -hmm. yell at Data to fight to overcome Lore? 
I mean, it was just so, I'm just, LeVar Burton, like, that was unbelievable. He crushed that scene. Yeah. And considering that the way that Nemesis worked, that we barely even got a glimpse of Jordy just kind of being a little bit sad mm. after Data died, like, like, like we needed to see that, you know, because they, that, that relationship is so vital to that crew and that, uh, it was, it was like, man, it was a lot. Like, Chris, no, I'm sorry. I just, I'm like, I'm no, you keep saying yourself, like, yeah. like, no. like, oh no, what you said is, what mm. you said was beautiful. Um, and this is absolutely a beautiful scene. One of my most favorite mm-hmm. of the episode, maybe one of my most favorite of the season so far. Um, what I like about this scene, Jenna, you're you're completely right. Like after in Star Trek Nemesis, right? You did not have Jordy have a chance. You know, there wasn't. I mean, of course, there's not time in that movie, but you did not have. You did not get to see Jordy exercise that kind of release of his emotions or express it or have that catharsis there. Yeah. Um, but here. Um, we do see that. And I think you're absolutely right. It was was really, really, really needed. And he says to Data, like, when you died, I broke. Right? And but he also appeals to Data that Data, and this is when this is while Data is lore. So this is while Data is lore. And that representation of Data lore is the kind of the cause of, is the direct cause of his daughter's imminent danger right there. Right. And so he's he's appealing he's appealing to the data saying, Hey, you made me a better man, you made me a better father. And what I love about this scene as well is they are physically separated by a barrier, a door. And so and so are um so is Jack and Sydney, physically separated by the force fields. And you're going back back and forth between those two scenes. And what I love about this is that, that not only does Jordy get we get to see him acknowledge in that moment how that death affected him. And we see him run through those range of his emotions and catharsis. Um, but, but he is expressing these, these very, he's expressing his most intimate things that he can express to his best friend, who's not really his best friend at the moment, right? It's lore. And it's separated by a physical barrier. And so, so, so much of the time that we as like people would like to express what we would like someone else to know, even when we're not, when we are not, you know, we're in, we're, when we're in the same physical space or not separated by a barrier, when we're in the same physical space, we rarely do that. Mm-hmm. But here, here I love that, hey, they're physically separated. He's appealing to, to Data, his best friend who he lost, and he gets to kind of express, express that. Um, and I just, I love, I love Labar's Burton's like acting at that moment. I thought it was just beautiful, his, his expression, his eyes. And I thought, you know, it didn't feel to me like acting. It felt like mm. it was so, so genuine. Right. And I, mm. I thought, oh, the purity of that moment was like, like, like great. And how they set it up and his daughter's in danger and he's, he's appealing to his, 
his best friend was wonderful. Mm-hmm. And I would, um, yeah. Oh, no, sorry, ahead, Chris. No, go ahead. Yeah, I want to also acknowledge like the this third act of the of the episode. The music. I loved the music. Um, yeah, so there. Yeah. They brought in a violin, and I mean, I like it's in there. I mean, it's but it's but but it's that on its own. I thought was really because because there is that connection with data um that that i thought was just was just beautiful but it also just just the way that it like because everyone was sort of oddly like isolated and it was it was it wasn't this big crescendo of music it was this very sort of like solitary instruments climbing um oh gosh i can have to let him out but yeah (laughs) like it (laughs) Yeah, I it was. Yeah, no, yeah. It was. It was. It was really powerful. I would love to ask Lavar Burton on this, Chris, if it was easier for him to get as emotional as he did because of the fact it was his real daughter, and him, um, and maybe in that particular moment, him using that and imagining him pleading with some bad bad guy to let his daughter go in real life or something you know what i mean like i feel like if i was in that scene maybe it would be a little bit a little bit easier i'm not saying it's it's an easy thing for him to get as emotional as he did but maybe that it would be easier because it was his real daughter i'd love to ask him that question well i think sydney's actually not his i think sydney is not his real mm-hmm. real daughter i think alondra Alondra is his real daughter but their best but sydney I don't, I'm sorry, I don't remember their actual names, but Sydney and Alondra are like- Sharp, Chestnut, but, and, and Mika. Yeah. The, they, yeah. Now they're really, he's, they're really, really both close. both of those girls were his daughters, weren't no, they? Oh, they're no. not? Oh, no, no. oh only, okay, well. Only right. Alondra is his daughter. Oh, I thought mm-hmm. both of the girls were. All right. Well, the girl who plays uh, Sydney, I think, looks just like LeVar. Like <laughs> she, they, they did a great job of casting her, right? Because oh, yeah. they did a good job of finding, okay, you know, does her likeness look like- like Lavar, it does. Yeah. I, I I buy her as his daughter in a heartbeat. Yeah, and the Burns um, have basically adopted her. Like they've yeah, they're like why, you're part of our family now. And why like, not? You're yeah. part of the Star Trek family. Yeah, that's yeah. that's great. Yeah, they did a great job. I mean, obviously, it's it was easier with the other daughter being his real daughter. I mm-hmm. I actually I legitimately thought both of those girls were his daughter. Yeah, that's the chemistry they have, you would think they were, but they weren't. All right. Yeah. Well, correction to that, folks. Correction to that. I guess only one of them is his daughter. Uh, yeah, I would love to ask LeVar, though, if it was easier for him to get that emotional knowing that his real daughter was in the show. I guess mm-hmm. I'll rephrase that now since I did the breaking news here that I was not aware of. From from what I read, because he actually did pop up in a, in a Twitter conversation about it today, mm-hmm. um, Number one, that they actually did film more for Jordy and Nemesis that didn't get used mm. directly relating to Data's death. And he hated the fact that that didn't happen. So this, yeah. so, so in addition to this being like, obviously there's feelings about like, you know, having children and being in this situation, he had genuine feelings about the Jordy and Data relationship and that he's been carrying with him that mm. kind of all came out too. All I guess came out, yeah. I guess the the set, like everybody was just done. Like 
Yeah. Like the camera guy was crying. Like, like it, it was. Yeah. He nailed it, it was, it was an amazing scene. Uh, I think it, and we've had a lot of emotional scenes in this season, right? Mm-hmm. We can probably all agree on that. This to me was one of the most emotional. This might be the most emotional scene thus far. Mm-hmm. With with Jordy pleading with Lore, and 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 begging for Data to, you know, take control. Um, thankfully, Data does manage to break through, but it's just a little bit too late, unfortunately. Um, so then we flash to the last part of this episode where we get um, Vatic and her her other changeling thugs show up <laughs> on the bridge, and. They, yeah, they they are. Those are they're they're like. Oh, did you write that down too? Yeah. Who are her thugs? What's up with them? Yeah. Yeah, like her posse, right? Like this group of this other group of changes that are following her around, like she's you know celebrity or something like that. Um, they 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 bust onto the bridge, right? And they hold seven at at I don't blaster point, gun point, whatever you want to call it, phaser point. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we see, we see a little bit of a, a beat up, uh, Captain Shaw there, a little bloodied up on the bridge and, and jacked up, uh, Vatic, interestingly, heads to the captain's chair, very excited about it for some reason, mm-hmm. and makes an announcement shipwide, even though there's not many, much crew left on board, right? But shipwide announcement that she is the new captain of the USS Titan. And, um... Interestingly, she says, yeah, Jack, time for you to learn who you really are. Dun, dun, dun. And the the episode closes out. So, ooh, interesting. Um, okay. So we, we went through that as we normally do. We did our uh, on this on our reviews and recaps. A uh, lot of stuff to break down here in this episode. A lot, lot of interpersonal things. Uh, some, some very, I think, I think you kind of mentioned it perfectly, Jenny, this built up emotion, right? All these years of Jordy not getting his proper, proper emotional scene from data's death, his first death. Um, I'm curious. We'll start with you, Jenny. G- g- give us your overall thoughts for those of you watching on YouTube or listening, or those of you who might be in the live chat or comments below. Um, we'll, we'll be curious to hear your thoughts as well, but, but Jenny, what were your overall thoughts and reactions to this episode um this was the first episode that uh didn't sort of give us a full arc and i say that meaning that there is a part two to this episode whereas the other episodes i you know i mean i I mean there's an overall story but this one this one was over before I was ready for it to be over, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, because we didn't get a conclusion. You know, we didn't get, we had, it, it was this intense, uh, right from the beginning, you know, it, it brings us in. They're already exhausted. They're already desperate. They're clearly running out of options. So all, you know, we come in and the stakes are here and they just keep going up as the episode goes on. And it, I mean, I was like, literally I was, you know, sitting on the edge of the couch, like, you know, it was just so intense. I mean, I just keep coming back to that word. It was just so intense. Um, 
which was great, which was fantastic. Um, so I'm, I'm, while I've definitely, I mean, I'm always very excited to see what's next. Like now I'm, what's next, you know? Yeah. Um, and I wanted to throw out a Captain Shaw <laughs> shout out here. Number one, because have we talked about his like his his posture in the captain's chair? No, I don't think we've talked about it here. No. He, oh. he sits in the captain's chair, leaned forward, like with his with his elbows on his knees, like you know, and it's and it's just it's such a character thing, and I just love it because because he isn't in the captain's chair often because he keeps <laughs> getting you know, but when he is, he's like there and he's just, he's so engaged, pardon the pun. Um, <laughs> and the other thing in this episode, because it, it, it happened so fast, but when I rewatched it today, because, um, you know, he goes down to try to stop them from getting to the bridge, right? So it's him and yeah. a couple other, and, and then he's shooting that last changeling and he's following Vatic to the turbo lift and then the changeling comes up behind him and then they throw him into the turbo lift and it happens so fast you barely hear it but he's on the intercom and he says blow the lift yeah like blow the turbo lift like mm -hmm. kill us don't let them up to the bridge which just you know so when he comes gets thrown out i mean he's on the ground he's beat to crap and he's and, and i mean he's got tears coming out of his eyes cuz he's like he he was literally trying to get them to kill him to save everyone else. Yeah. So shout out to Captain Liam Shaw, who is nice. not such a big jerk after all. <laughs> no, well, I, may, I wonder if that, that the way he sits in the bridge chair is because, or the captain's chair, bridge mm -hmm. chair, good Lord. The, the captain's chair with you. is because he's a grease monkey, right? He's a, he, yeah. he, that's how he was. He was engaged, right? He was a hands-on guy. He's, mm -hmm. he's fixing things and, doing things and that's just kind of probably and so i think that's great that the way that they worked that in and that would mm -hmm. be what that would be my explanation as to why he, he he sat the way he did but yeah no no that makes total sense absolutely yeah so you know, all right he's not like sitting there like like yeah. sulu drinking tea you know he's... you just sitting there going <laughs> and getting yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah yes captain captain sulu's got his own little tea tea table so much does bit weird uh okay chris what are your give, give us your 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 thoughts and, and reactions here overall to this episode yeah i did I, I really really i did really like this episode i i think more than you may have liked it zach but i'll i'll go into it a little more i really liked that opening scene with tuvok and seven. Oh, i thought that was a great kind of you know you didn't it went the way i didn't anticipate that it was going to go that way and i thought it was great so um, I, we talked about Janeway a little bit. I think we'll maybe see some Janeway in this. I think that was some good foreshadowing. I'd be really, really happy to see her. I think that'd be awesome. That'd be super. They, there's, they, they've dropped her name a number of times. Yeah. Like... And P Picard has talked to her before. He talked to her in Nemesis, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I wonder, maybe, maybe we'll get her. Yeah. That'd be cool. That'd be, that'd be awesome if we did. I think that'd be great. I felt similarly to you, Jenny, where at the end, I thought, oh, okay, I do want this to go on, like, more. Um, like, yeah. yeah. I, I'm, so, I'm very impressed with how, they've, how the writers and the creators have been able to 
get all of these things into a particular episode, get, get all of these ideas, uh, make it really not only not only extremely entertaining to watch, um, but they they kind of pack in these very personal characteristics of all of the characters and mm -hmm. kind of the what they're thinking and the decisions that they have to make. So so I really I really like that and um, the idea of the the scrapyard and the shipyards and kind of the visual effects in this again I thought were great and all of the production design was great and wonderful there too. Um, and I did like from for me when I watched this episode I did like the idea of uh, of duality and I thought that that theme of duality was within Starfleet. Um, then it was in um, Beverly and Picard kind of making the different kind of choices that they that that they had to make. Um, so I thought it showed up as individuals and in Starfleet as an organization. And I thought that was that was important. And in data, too, I thought it was a very for, for me, a very, very clear like, hey, there's this duality within this new birth of data. And then, you know, we're afraid to integrate it. Otherwise, it's going to like turn into all these bad things and it's going to explode or whatever. But but for me, I think the beautiful solution or the beautiful thing that would happen is you have to integrate kind of both those sides into into something that would that would be more um like you said jenny more right so that'd be that'd be great um i really love the idea that uh that jordy had this beautiful moment with with data and how they set it up there and and again i talked about this the, the third act of the of the episode and the music and the kind and the um the the action and kind of the peril that people were in were were great um so all of that all of that was uh was good i've got something else in my mind that is slipping oh, that's slipping from my mind at the moment and i don't have aromatic syndrome but it's, it's <laughs> <laughs> oh oh this this was okay this this was it so um i don't know if i was reading into it much but where the scene with jack and picard and picard says maybe there's some way for us to gain an advantage and then the scene ended like he didn't yeah. explain what that advantage was right? right and so i'm like okay well it ended and then you go into the whole sequence of where um you know they're the force fields and they're tra they're trying to trap batik but i'm thinking what if what if there's what if there's more to that what if what if picard actually had more more sense of a trap on where they wanted to go with that, right? Oh, so Vatic now has control of the ship. They've got there to... has to be, right? Yeah. It yeah, doesn't cause... make sense if there isn't. Yeah, because they've got to figure right. out what the plan is. That's what they need to know. Like, what is the pl... who's in on the conspiracy and what are they trying to do? So that's where my mind went. Was like, was like, well, maybe they're not done with this trap. Maybe, they, maybe mm -hmm. they need to make Vatic think that she's one, because um, they can understand, like, you know, what the entire plan is going to be yeah so yeah, yeah. i uh Interesting. i really like the episode what do uh, you did think I, zach yeah did we make you like did i make you like it more <laughs> did we make you like it more all right let me yeah. share i'll share my thoughts briefly here i think i think you guys both made really good points um i thought the the scene the scene between vatic and Picard and Beverly, I thought was one was might actually be the best played out scene so far in this season. 
I thought the kind of what you mentioned, Jenny, this kind of like it was almost like watching a waltz. Mm. Right. Like it's this it's in a different sense of the of the term, this idea of like this dance that they played through the through the the dialogue. Right. Of this, you know, this weaving back and forth kind of thing. Um, I thought that scene was really fantastic. Uh, It it was powerful because you're starting to see why Vatic and these other changelings are the way they are. Um, the scene with man, that scene with Jordy, how emotional he got pleading for, for data to help him and how emotional he got over the idea of his I, not real daughter, apparently, but his daughter in the show, um, potentially dying. that, that, that scene freaking tore me up. It tore me up. I was like, yeah, it, it was rough. Um, that was a super emotional scene. Um, overall, though, I this was my least favorite episode of the season. And it's not because there weren't great moments. It's not because the acting was bad. Uh, I felt to an extent that the episode was fairly predictable, at least from like, okay, they're, they're going to come on the ship and they're going to try to trap them in some way. And, Oh, we're using force fields and getting to do it or bio fields, whatever. Uh, yep. They're going to trap Vatic. They're going to have this conversation like there to me personally. And other people may not may feel differently. If you're, if you're watching the premiere of this and you're live chatting, it's okay. You can tear me up. That's fine. So it's all good. Uh, opinions are like belly buttons. Everyone has one. This is mine. And so, uh, my, my thought on just, yeah, it, it just, it felt predictable in many ways that, you know, uh, that being said though, I do think you're right, Jenny. I think that this, this has to be like a part one of a two-parter, even though the whole, the whole season is like one giant episode, but you know what I mean? I think it, yeah. I think you made a good point there. Um, this definitely, Again, it felt predictable. It just, I don't know. I just kind of felt like it missed the mark for me a little bit. I, I just kind of felt like we've had so much incredible buildup and drama in this was just, okay, yep, the ship's floating in the debris field. Okay, the Shrike shows up. Yeah, they board the ship. They go after Jack. They get caught. Oh, she got away. Surprise. We still have three episodes left. They have. She has to get away somehow, right? I don't know. It's just my own personal opinion. Um mm. I love some of the moments in this episode, Chris, were some of the most powerful I felt like of the whole season. And we've had a lot of powerful moments in this season. So I'm not going to discredit that or take that away from the, from the episode. The episode as a whole just was, eh, it was okay. It was okay. Did, didn't, didn't quite hit the mark for me. Um, but we've had so many good episodes. It's like, you know, if we have, if, if, if out of the 10 episodes, we have one that was, eh, so, so then we're doing pretty good. I think. <laughs> So, you know, I, I, you guys may not agree with that. And that's fine. People watching, listening, chatting, commenting may go, you're out of your mind. You're an idiot. Like, just get off the podcast. <laughs> Let Jenny and Chris do it. You leave. Okay. No. That's fine. That's fair. That's fair. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so it, it, it was, it was okay. I, 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 maybe, maybe Chris, maybe, maybe there was buildup in my mind from last week when you're like, yeah, Zach, it's, it's, it's the dominion. <laughs> and I got this, I got this build up in my I got this we misled up him. In, you yeah. Have, yeah. Well, yeah, I got built up in my mind this this great fantastic thing, and then where's Wayun? Well, exactly. Where's Wayun <laughs> yeah. at? I, 
I, I, I didn't want to bring that up, Jenny. That was a sore. That was a sore spot. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm really right. sorry. I'll, I'll try to get over it. Um, but no, I thought that I thought uh, I thought there were some amazing moments, but the the episode fell flat. So I'll leave it at that. Um, but yeah, we only have three episodes left. What are we gonna do when this thing ends? I got. I guess we got to move. I got move on to Strange New Worlds. Yeah. Too. I, I wonder if June, by the way, June, June. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There was a bunch of announcements this week. So Strange yep. New Worlds has a release date, and they're gonna start filming season three. Yeah. Oh, that that was like music to my ears. Oh yeah. Um, Lower Decks has the new season coming out, but they're also starting. They're they're renewed for. a four or five whatever i think, the, I think the fourth season's coming yeah. out so the fifth yes. season, yeah yeah and they officially have or, or or there will officially be a second season of prodigy which i am mm. gonna catch up on yeah i've um, watched almost nothing from prodigy mm, so yeah um the thing that i'm very interested about from a like uh just i don't know I'm trying to I'm losing a word but anyway um all of these announcements came out this week and first contact day is next weekend or yeah like uh like first Friday. contact day is in three days oh yeah right it's it's the fifth right yeah april 5th yeah fourth fifth fourth I fifth the, i think it's the fifth Yes, it's a, yeah. Oh. I think it, I'm pretty sure it's so, the fifth. Sorry, four days. Sorry, four days. What day? Is okay, today? okay. Today's April Fool's Day. That, all right, so we're, like, we're like, not day fooling is it? you. We're not fooling yeah. you. Yeah. So normally, on First Contact Day, there they usually save announcements like that for First Contact Day. Oh, you think something big's coming? Maybe. Could be. I can't. I don't know. I hope so. <laughs> But but now it's like and they and and then they announced Starfleet Academy yesterday and I'm like what are they gonna do on First Contact Day? What if on First Contact Day my dreams come true? What if on First Contact Day they announce a Chief O'Brien standalone <laughs> series? Right. Chris, my dreams would come true. You know it, right? It would, mm -hmm. it would, it will, I, I will have died and gone to heaven if that's the case. Please make Zach's dreams come true. <laughs> yes, that would be. <laughs> we'll start a uh, go, what is it? Go fund me. Go, go fund me. me. Go start a GoFundMe <laughs> for that, Zach. Yeah. World. We're going to need more than, we're going to need more than six cents to get that off the ground, though, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> hate to, hate Amazing. to admit that to you. Uh, yeah, that would be, yeah. All right. <laughs> That would be incredible. But yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point, Jenny. What are they going to do on First Conduct Day? April 5th, 2063. We're not that far, much farther. Is it 2063, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Am I way off my rocker on that one? No, no, you're exactly right. Uh, We're not that much far. We're not that far away. I know. We're not. Four we're getting years. closer. Yeah, not that much longer to the, Vul the Vulcan's land. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, that is 40 years from. Yeah, it's right because it's 2023. Boy. I don't even know what year it is. Okay. Anyways. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I'd be curious to see what happens. What what do they announce? Maybe there's something big coming out, like they're going to announce a spinoff series for Captain Shaw, spinoff series for Worf and Raffi, which would be amazing. Who knows? A spinoff series with a Captain Seven. Who knows? There, anything's possible. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm really excited. I'm really excited about the idea of a 
Now um, I don't know what I was going to say. <laughs> we'll insert that into the blooper. It's just excited. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, that's just what excited it was. in general. That's what it was. Okay, okay. A, a brain fart here. Yeah, no. Uh, Strange New World season two, and the fact we're getting a season three. See, my brain eventually yeah. got oh, yeah. there. I just took the long way around. Mm-hmm. Um, I took the scenic route. So yeah, I, that's that. That to me is exciting. I know there are. I know a couple people who aren't really big into Strange New Worlds, but I know a lot of people who are. It, it's oh, yeah. been really fantastic. That first season was was amazing. Yeah. When I when I met Rebecca Romaine at the Star Trek convention last year, and she was signing my poster, and she's like, because I had a, had her write a quote on there, and she's like, oh, I know why you chose this quote. She's like, man. Wait, wait till you see season two. It's gonna blow your mind. You That's ain't seen awesome. no, you haven't seen anything yet and this stuff. I'm like, oh man, she's That's either great. hyping, she's either driving the hype train because she has to, or because she really believes that. I think she believes that. I think it's I think we got some great stuff mm-hmm. coming. A lot of great content coming for Star Trek yeah. uh down the road. Uh the Starfleet Academy thing we talked about at the beginning of this looks 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 like it has some potential. Hope it'll be mm-hmm. good. Uh I hope Terry Metallis is, is spearheading this thing as the lead, you know, showrunner for it. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully the, the, the writer's room is really good. They got the, the one, one girl mm-hmm. from uh lower deck. She said, yeah, it's going to be a writer. That. Yeah. So that'll be cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a lot of great stuff coming. We're yeah. looking forward to it. Um, but that being said, that, that was it. That was episode seven, everybody of Picard season three. And, uh, we have three more reviews coming soon. I have a feeling yeah. the final episode that we do the review for a Picard is going to be tough to get through and it's going to take a while. There'll be a lot to talk about <laughs> yes. now. Bring your Kleenex folks, bring your Kleenex. It's going to be, be, be messy. It's going to be messy. Yeah. 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 I'll, yeah. Anyway. So we th- we thank you so much for watching and listening to the random red shirt podcast. We are as always nothing, if not authentic, are we not Chris? <laughs> We are always authentic. Yes, that's right. That's right. We are authentic, and you all over the interwebs. We are authentic, my friend. And uh, Jenny, thank you as always for joining my us pleasure. here as we go through this review. We much appreciate it, and uh, we thank you so much for watching and listening uh, to the podcast. Uh, be sure to check us out on Facebook and Instagram, uh, or your favorite podcast platform. Or if you're listening to the audio version of this, be sure to check out the video version over on the YouTube's. <laughs> So uh, we thank you so much for like and subscribe. Yeah, like and oh. there you go. That's right. You heard her, folks. <laughs> Listen to the lady. She knows what she's talking about. And hit the bell for notifications. But uh, thank you so much. And we will catch you next time right here on the Random Wretched Podcast. Mm-hmm.